1: Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend and Age Institute colleague and co-host, Ed Kless. And on today's show, folks, we are Free Writer Friday for August.
2: Welcome, Ed. No, Ron. Back-to-back Free Rider Fridays. I mean, awesome. it's awesome. I know. <laughs> It
1: is. I'm, I'm moving through the stack. Moving through the stack. <laughs> uh, hey, and I just wanted to clear something up that I noticed when I listened to our show from last week again. At the very end, we talked about Charlie Gard, the little boy who, yeah. who was 11 months old and he died July 28th. And I made a comment about how I was happy to see that the great Ormond Street Hospital in the UK was receiving death threats. And I never explained... <laughs> That I'm not condoning death threat, folks. That that wasn't the point. My point was, and I think you and I talked about this, Ed, every time I read a story about this case, mm-hmm. and I read quite a few, I even read some from the UK press, I didn't see any outrage, nothing. It was just, they were just like reporting the facts of this, what the court ruled against the parents and all of this. And there was... You know, there might have been a subtle question or something, but I never, I'm like, where's the outrage? And I only, I, I learned that the hospital received death threats when I read about it in The Economist write-up about it. And I thought, well, geez, okay, there was some outrage about this. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I was appalled by the whole thing. And it right. just, I, I don't know, it just led to an existential question. W- what would you fight and die for? It it confronted me with that, and, you know, it certainly wouldn't be Uber or Bitcoin or my profession or my job or money or wealth. I mean, yeah, self-defense, you'd fight for your own life. You'd think you'd fight for your spouse's life or hopefully even a stranger, if it was an innocent stranger being molested or something and you, you know, broke in. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you'd fight for freedom and liberty, but you'd certainly fight and die for a child. Agreed that that's where i was going with this i just wanted to clear that up
2: yeah well you know that gets back to one of the the great questions i think we talked about a little bit with father sirico and that is would you do you value the truth more than freedom or the freedom or freedom more than the truth right and And i brought that up in several especially (laughs) libertarian party meetings and boy do they not like that idea at all
1: I I know. And then, of course, when we asked Rabbi Lappin that question on the second time he appeared on our show, he didn't think there was a conflict between the two. Right. Which I think you would get from most libertarians. And I think a lot of conservatives would say that, too. But but either way, I'm, I'm not sure if this specific case comes under that truth versus I just saw it as an abuse of power. By unnamed and unaccountable bureaucrats, including the profession, the medical profession, which I have great respect for, mm-hmm. but I don't think they can overrule the parents in in this particular case. I, I realize they can in some others, right? But I, I didn't see it here. So, anyway, it it outraged me, but. So I just wanted to clear that up. I I think we have a joint one in our stack. So
2: we do. What do you uh, think? Well, you're trying, you're gonna to want to bet
1: on it or what? <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm gonna. I, I'd bet on this one. I bet you have Deirdre Dream article from Reason Magazine from July 11th, which uh, is the fifth yep of the technological unemployment yep Mm -hmm. yes so let's talk about that one and i'll I'll turn it back over to you and you can do another one so that's my first one out of the gate Uh, all right go ahead go for it what do you got well i I just you know she said lots of economists think we'll lose jobs due to technology she cites robert gordon Mm -hmm. who wrote a, a, a tome called the rise and fall of american growth very very pessimistic you know kind of buys into the state of growth that we're now at two percent is the new normal and that's it that's the best we can do Tyler Cohen who we've both listened to multiple times on Russ Roberts average is over kind of makes the same case John Maynard Keynes believed this David Ricardo believed that this is not a new idea no (laughs) this goes all the way back what I loved about Deirdre's column she says they're all wrong (laughs) <laughs> and and she tells a story. Ed, she although she doesn't tell it the way I want to tell it because my version I'm pretty sure is apocryphal. Okay, but it doesn't matter because it should be true because it's great. Okay, um, apparently Walter Ruther, who was the long ago president of United mm-hmm. Auto Workers, was touring uh, a factory with Ford. Now I don't know if it was Henry. It might have been one of his descendants because this might have been in the '50s, '60s, whatever. So it might have been his son, his grandson, whatever. And they were touring the factory. And they were looking at all these robots that they had just recently installed doing all these things that workers used to do. And Ford kind of jabs Walter in the ribs and says, hey, Walter, how are you going to get them to pay union dues? And Walter turns around and says, well, how are you going to get them to buy your cars?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And what I loved about McClowski's article is she says that's a fallacious argument because the employees of car companies are a trivial share of the car buying public. And then she goes on, of course, to, to point out that the point of an economy is production for consumption, not jobs that we've talked about this all the time on the show. And if the night, and then her final point, or I think her big point is that the nightmare of technological unemployment were true, it would have already happened.
2: So true. Uh, That, that was the, I, to me, that was the most brilliant point in the, in, in the piece that yeah. it would have already occurred. It, it, it the the amount of innovation that has has occurred around not only robotics but in in computerization. I mean, you you take take yourself back even a scant 10 or 15 years ago. It, it, the 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 technological innovations have been outsta- astounding, absolutely astounding.
1: Uh, unbelievable. Yes, agreed
2: and, and ha- had had here's my point had all of the technical innovations over the say no pick the period i'm going to say 20 years okay mm-hmm. had all of the technical innovations that actually happened in tw- in in this last 20 years been known 20 years ago would the people would have said well there's going to be millions of people out it, of jobs like it, like it like and i'm not talking about f- 5 or 10% unemployment i'm talking about 50% unemployment
1: no, it's so true. And, and I love the other thing she points out. You know, when we hear the unemployment rate mentioned every month or the jobs report, and we talk about your 200,000 jobs were created last month, I don't think a lot of people realize that that's a net number. And she points out that each month in the United States of America, out of 160 million jobs roughly, 1.7 million vanish. Now, they're replaced with the 1.72, you know, Uh or or 1.9, whatever it is, and and they take the net of that for the 200,000 jobs. But we we lose jobs all the time, over 1% every single month, and this has been going on forever, and she goes, in just a few years at such a rate – she goes, one third of the labor force should be standing around street corners. Right.
2: It, yep. It's so the way it's a great piece because it's so inherently obvious the way that she lays it out like that. Right. And I think you're right. I, I do think that a lot of people hear that unemployment num- number and they think it's static. Oh, we created 250,000 jobs this month, but nobody lost a job. Right. <laughs> and nobody right. got a job uh, except for those 250,000 people. <laughs>
1: which which, is which it doesn't pass this
2: right because it doesn't even pass the sniff test right because look around your neighborhood
1: yeah <laughs> yeah talk to your friends see your friends on Facebook you know that are right or, la- LinkedIn. or LinkedIn LinkedIn tells yeah. you every morning
2: every morning <laughs> it's like uh you know I I have I don't know I'm connected to three thousand people on LinkedIn I, I I bet you it's a one percent a month if I actually added it up hey congratulate so and so on a new job
1: new job. Sure, sure. Yeah, th- and this reminded me also of Donald Bergerow's point uh, from an article. I know I talked about it on a Freerider Friday or another show where he said, look, if you're worried about losing your job to a robot, how about losing your job to another human being? Mm-hmm. And then he gave the statistics on how much employment has increased from the 50s to today. And it's it's staggering how many new jobs have come in and, and the percentage of the labor force working, especially with the, you know, the influx of women into the labor force in the 60s and 70s. And all of that. If if we were going to lose a job, we'd lose it to a fellow human being before we'd lose it to a robot. Yet our economy is so dynamic that it creates all these jobs. And so, it's just I, I think she's right about this. And I'm also sensing that Gilder, George Gilder, is 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 working on this, and he's working on a new book. Had Life After Google. And I think yeah. it's going to be part of the you know what he talked about in his speech at the Independent Institute a couple months ago in in uh, Texas there, where you know, he, he he says all this stuff about artificial intelligence eating the world and taking all of our jobs. He thinks it's nonsense.
2: Well, calls it the new Marxism, which I think he's he's dead dead on. Yeah, right. It's, it's a it's a new the the new Marxist belief. Oh, it's okay. it's, it's 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 labor theory value. You know, on stilts, whatever your phrase yep, you want yep. to use.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, good stuff. I'm, I'm, we're going to keep our eye on this, folks, and report more of it because I think Deirdre and Gilder and, and Donald Boudreau, they have the they have the better of this argument.
2: Well, I do like the video that accompanies it, which we'll we'll link to as well, and in, in in which. Deirdre yeah. says that, that she thinks that our friend Tyler Cowen needs an intervention. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he
1: needs to dry out, she Dry said. out was the phrase. Yeah. I'm right. still dry trying out. to
2: figure out what exactly she meant yeah. by that. <laughs> <I did. laughs> hey, hey, while we're, we're on this subject, and, and I, I think I've quoted this on a number of cases, either a number of shows, or also, I know I did this at, at our live event in SAGE, and that is the the... the, the, the The quote that if your job is taken by a bot it probably sucks anyway right right and i I just want to i did track down the source the guy's name is alan Lepofsky. (laughs) alan Lepofsky. so uh just to to give some creds there um i don't know if alan Alan, might not be a listener but there are people i think who know alan who are listeners so just tell them that we did finally ed finally stopped just using his words and is giving him some creds for it so Excellent, it's a great line.
1: <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right, Ed, what do you
2: got? Well, look, we are up against a, a break quickly, so I'm going to do a really quick one. And it was okay. a request that you made of me, which was to check out the browser uh, called Brave. Yes. Right. Which I did. So okay. I da- I downloaded it uh, and and did play with it for a little bit. It's it's based on the same browser technology that that's. Uh, I think it's both Safari and uh, which call it um, Chrome is based mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The problem is it, and, and and the and the notion, by the way, is that it is completely private because the way that it puts together, I guess, the packets of information uses our favorite technology, Ron blockchain
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: right. So it it really and and it's I guess in theory has sits uh, sits blockchain atop the the next layer. You know that's something we've talked about for on previous shows of the of the internet, right? So this like the trust layer. layer, yeah, right, it, layer, this yeah. eight layer. So that's that's the theory behind it, and it's it's totally secure. The thus far, that my my issue with it is that it does not allow for use of Chrome extensions, mm-hmm. and I can't live without certain extensions. Like sure. there's there's no way to add some plugins into it, but it does seem wicked fast. I will give it that because it it, it it's built in is is ad blocking, and mm-hmm. and elimination of all trackers.
1: Is it beta, Ed, or is it alpha still?
2: It, well, like, here's the thing. Yeah, I don't. It's not beta, but it is updated like every three minutes. <laughs> like, <laughs> and sure. which is i guess one of their advantages I, 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 is that you know hey you, you can you can it's it's they're they're building new stuff in cuz i think there's some an open source component to it right um built on those technologies so i it's something to look at in my opinion not ready for prime time but if for those of you who are interested it's brave.com brave.com and uh, and uh enjoy taking a look at
1: it so yeah, Gilder mentioned it in that, in that talk he gave down in Dallas. That's why I, I wanted to ask you about it and see if you could, you know, check it out and see what it's like. He, he, he talked highly of its promise.
2: Yeah, it, yeah, I mean, it is two to eight times faster, wow. without question.
1: Wow. Well, this is awesome, Ed, but unfortunately, as always on the show topic a free enterprise is flying by and folks i'd like to remind you if you want to get a hold of ed or myself you can do so at ask tsoe at com. keep those emails coming in i just got one this morning ed from one of our listeners that if we have time i want to bring it up because it involves your home state uh nice. no, well your your state now where you wow. live now um and then folks uh, check out the soul of we'll post full show notes on today's topics and now we want to hear from our sponsor leading results
4: we're tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We're here at Free Rider Friday for August, and you can follow us live on Twitter at AskTSOE. And Ed, what would Mm. it be like... To go to fly from Britain to Australia, two hours.
2: Very, very cool. Very cool. <laughs> like, yeah, really cool. Like, it's having, having sat on the plane for 16, 17 hours flying from Dallas to Melbourne uh, and then a couple times into L.A., very cool.
1: And I you know the trip from Australia or from Britain to Australia is is long too. I'm not sure how long. I'm not sure if it's as long as Dallas to to Australia. I didn't look it up. but anyway, in order to do that, you'd need to go Mach five. Mm-hmm. Now one of my regrets in life is I never flew the Concorde before they mothballed it. I have been to a couple museums and got to walk through it. And you know, uh, and, and it's a tiny plane. I mean, it's very narrow. Seats are very uncomfortable. It would be worse than you know anything in United's back of the plane, um, in terms of comfort. But Mach five burns hot and three thousand degrees, kind of to be precise. And it's above the melting point for most materials. But there's two researchers: one at the University of Manchester in England, and one in Central South University in Shanghai, China who have a novel new substance, a ceramic, with strong bonds between their atoms. Call, the process is called carbon-carbon composite. It's infused with the composite with a, liquid, with a liquid mixture of zirconium, titanium, carbon, and boron. And apparently, it can withstand temperatures like this. Now, this is something, of course, the world's air forces are very interested in. I mean, yeah. we the, had the SR-71, and, you know, I'm not, sure, I, I'm not sure what the top speed of that thing was. I, I want to say it's a little bit under Mach 3, mm-hmm. but, boy, um, and I don't see a commercial airline doing this for a while because, obviously, the economics of this are, you know, a pain, not to mention some of the environmental things, but oh God, it'd just be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Well, was it the the SR-71? I think
2: it grew like six inches in flight.
1: Yeah, so did the Concorde. It stretched. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the carpet stretched uh, inside uh, because of the heat. And you know they had to, you know, design the fuel to move around to give it balance and everything. I mean, it was really an engineering feat. It really was. And of course, the SR-71 was just awesome. But yeah. It, yeah, well, and two people.
2: somebody it might have been you told me that there was also a problem with the Concord that with the with the, the uh, one of the, the navigation books like on the shelf, because when the, it would it, the, the, when you when you're on the ground, you couldn't get the book out. But when you're in flight, the shell would, shell, it would sometimes fall off the shelf. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I
1: don't remember that, but it wouldn't surprise me. There were yeah. a lot of little issues that they, you know, that they had to overcome. Pretty interesting stuff. But when, when I read stuff about this, it, it, and, and look where this is coming from. Part of this research coming out of China, people think, oh, China's the enemy. Well, you know, if our Air Force gets a hold of this technology, what's that mean?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, when I, I remember reading, I think it was Toffler's book, uh, Alvin Toffler who we've we've talked a little bit about on the show I think but he, not his book Third Wave might have been Power Shift anyway mm-hmm. he, he was talking about the the notion that it it takes the same amount of energy to fly from say San Francisco to Tokyo as it would to launch a rocket high enough so that it could so that the 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 the, re, the resulting like shuttle could Glide to tokyo right right yes right but it would still be done in two hours because now yet you're not ta- you're not talking about mock whatever you're you because you're you're flying so high you're
1: out of the atmosphere
2: you're you know. out of the atmosphere and therefore the that the, the the heat becomes a non-issue except on re-entry of course right, right uh, it's where, the, right. where you get the the energy back and i'm i'm you know i was read that having read that i don't know in the late 80s, early 90s, I, I would was was thinking that that might be a thing that would be here by now.
1: So. Yeah, yeah, me too. I, I, I mean, I, I read this stuff and get so excited and think, I hope I live to see this because I, I can't imagine what it'd be like to fly, you know, to Australia in two hours. That'd be so cool.
2: Yeah, <laughs> oh, good stuff. Good stuff. All right, man, you're up. All right, okay. So this this might be like a series. <laughs> I'm not gonna really cheat here. It was a series. So I'm I have a a, a, a it's a, believe it or not a Reader's Digest article, right? Wow, and I'm okay. gonna I'm gonna I'm looking looking through this and it's it the, these the nine words or phrases that people will let you know where you grew up. Mm, right. Okay. And so I'm looking in with it's a map in this case, it's a map of the United States. And it says, uh, you know, it has has the phrase and and the, the map. Now, I know that you're you're in Northern California, you've always been Northern California, right? Yep. OK, so I'm going to say that you say firefly as opposed to lightning bug.
1: Yeah, if if either, because we don't have either really. Right. But, if you, if, you know, if you see it
2: probably firefly Firefly. yes it'd be firefly okay so that's okay that's right all right so this is this is a this is a tough one i'm going to say that you say garage sale as opposed to rummage sale yard sale or tag sale
1: yes a garage sale you definitely yard sale a second
2: a second. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that you, well, this this one's an easy one, that you would say you guys as opposed to you all or yes. y'all. Yeah. Right? That one's easy. <laughs> yeah. By the way, the, 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 I like some of these because some of them say, like, Pittsburgh is yins. I don't know if you ever heard that one. No. Yins. Yeah. There's, yeah. New, New York, of course, we say yous. Use right, right. yeah, yeah. No, right. I haven't
1: heard Yins. That's interesting. <laughs> y- okay. Yins
2: is Pittsburgh. Yeah, well, my wife's from Pittsburgh, so we have that. Okay, I'm okay. going to say that you call carbonated beverages, all of them, soda, not pop or Coke. Uh, actually, Coke. Really? You call them all yeah. a Coke? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. All right, so you're, you're out of the norm on that one.
1: That might just be me, but I'm not a Coke fan. I'm a Pepsi fan, so I, uh, you know, but... Uh, soda. I know soda pop is big, in, like in the South, right?
2: Well, no, Coke. Actually, like down da- down here, there's pockets where you'd say, "I'll have a Coke." Well, what kind of Coke? Mm, okay. And you're like, well, uh, you know, I I want a Dr Pepper Coke. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> <laughs> you're like, wait.
1: I just right. remember on Andy Griffith, they used to say, "I go down to the gas station and get a soda pop."
2: Right. Soda pop. Yeah. 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 But
1: and that's okay. North Carolina, I think.
2: Yep. Um, I'm going to say, you say garbage can as opposed to trash can. Yes. Okay. Yep. And I'm going to, la- two more, I think. I'm going to guess you, you call it a semi or a semi truck as opposed to a tractor trailer or an 18 wheeler. Yes. Yep. Okay. Uh, you say drinking fountain and not water fountain. Yes. Yep. And you say tennis shoes as opposed to sneakers. Yes. All right. And there are two syllables in the word caramel as opposed to caramel.
1: Okay. Yes, Carmel. Yes, absolutely.
2: See, not bad. So yep. I, yeah. this is pretty fascinating, right? Yeah. Just yep. like just these 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 nine phrases or words are a huge indication of and and when you overlap these, of course, and ask people these nine things, you can pretty much get this down to exactly where somebody it lives.
1: In terms of region ed or state.
2: It, well some of its states some of its regions like state. You know, and yeah and there's some some that are different like for example that water fountain thing if you're in in um in 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 oh, where is this uh that would be the state of Wisconsin you would say bubbler bubbler oh
1: wow okay right?
2: uh, so it's just just kind of kind of fascinating so anyway we'll po- post post a link if this see how th- this uh this works out for you but it's i i found this this piece a little bit fascinating these regionals regionalisms
1: yeah, that that's cool. That's cool. Yep. Okay, I got one. This all is, right. This is um, remember the '60s term: turn, turn on, tune in, and drop out. Yeah, Timothy Leary, right? Timothy Leary. You know what drug they were talking about?
2: LSD, baby.
1: Well, I, I no, okay, never taken the drug. <laughs> me neither. Me neither. But Ed in Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. it's all the rage. But it's micro dosing (laughs)
2: on
1: on this stuff. I've
2: heard about this. Mm -hmm.
1: The article is in a publication called 1843, which is published by The Economist. It's called Turn On, Tune In. And drop by the office. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, so Nathan, 27, venture capitalist in San Francisco, ingests 15 micrograms of LSD mm-hmm. every three days. That, by the way, seems to be the preferred formula dosage for yeah, people right, who yeah. do this. 100 <laughs> micrograms is what is needed to cause, you know. The, the hallucinations. The, yes, the high and all of that. People do it because they feel more productive more creative Mm -hmm. yeah this nathan guy describes it as my secret vitamin um americans 30 to 34 most are the most likely group to have tried lsd even though drug use you know across the board like in coke and marijuana has dropped but lsd has actually risen a little Mm -hmm. um and what and we both know this i mean i've read some books on this is fascinating stuff but you know researchers have traced the development of the personal computer industry through the 1960s counterculture
2: no clearly I mean <laughs> right. yeah. if mean, you ever watched that PBS thing uh, on, yes. on, on the original oranges of that you yes. could, there's no doubt
1: exactly in fact it had one research center in Menlo Park and, and it may be Xerox Park and I don't know because they didn't name it had 350 people including the top scientists engineers and architects who experimented with psychedelics You know, and, and how it affected their work. Tim Ferriss, who's an angel investor today, says all the billionaires he knows almost without exception use. LSD on a regular basis. Steve Jobs says taking LSD was a profound experience, one of the most important things in my life. And then, of course, used to joke that Microsoft would be a more original company if Bill Gates had dropped acid. <laughs> <laughs> they call this oh, a bo- they call this a body hack. Um, now, it, apparently, groups of friends are you know renting a place in the countryside, taking LSD or magic mushrooms, and going on hikes. These mm-hmm. are called hike-a-delics. um it's obviously popular among the technologically aware because they're interested in science, nutrition, brain chemistry, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. also, this relieves social awkwardness. This is a pretty inept group, um, you know, some people say, and this is another reason why they do it. Um, data on this is non existent. It's really hard to get numbers on this, but. Well, one, it's, well it's not scheduled one, but yeah. Right, and who, who's going who's gonna to admit to it? But a, there's a group on Reddit. That freely discusses this and micro dosage and you know what's the best routine and how much and all of that this group has gone gone from 2,000 members a year ago to 16,000 today the preferred dosage again seems to be 10 milligrams every three days it's interesting lsd is not micrograms, micrograms. micrograms sorry don't do 10 uh, milligrams dude no sorry. right sorry <laughs> um, lsd is not thought to be addictive uh, but there's, you know, a lack of medical research on this, so it's touted kind of like those old snake oil salesmen, right? As a panacea for everything. I mean, c- depression, menstrual pain, migraines, impotence, right? Um, mm-hmm. But you know, it's interesting because people say it enhances their job. They, they're more creative. They think out of the box. This is a highly competitive environment. You know, I guess you could equate this to steroids in sports or whatever.
2: I was uh, just going to say that. That's what I was going to say. That this is that, that to me this is that this is almost the same thing
1: exactly and and you know they said compared to the opioid uh, uh, you know epidemic and and three and a half million children today who are, who are prescribed drugs for attention deficit disorders of all kinds mm-hmm. you know lsd doesn't seem to be as threatening <laughs> as no. it once was remember those dragnet episodes you know when somebody oh yeah panel, they were, you know stand on top of the building getting ready to leap and all that and Anyway, I just thought that was really interesting that it's it's it is a big deal uh, down there in Silicon Valley. But uh, boy, would we have the computers without without drugs? It's a really interesting topic.
2: No, it is isn't a interesting topic. And uh, look, let's take our break. I want to ask you a question when we come back about this, though, because I, 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 but, but it, it might take a little bit more than what we have on this break. So right now, I want to remind you, you can connect with Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at dot I want to remind you that we do have the upcoming Verisage Symposium tied with, with the Art of Value Conference. And if you want more information on that, go to com slash Verisage, and you'll get all of the great information about those two events coming up in November. Really looking forward to having m- many of our listeners down here in 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 Allen, Texas, but right now a word from our sponsor.
0: The future of online TV is here. Exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else, visit voiceamerica.tv today. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise: Dialogues on Business in the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com.
3: The Voice America Live Events channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events. at voiceamerica.com voice america is where you are and where you want to be join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available don't forget to view all our live events including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events
0: from the boardroom to you voice america business network
4: We're tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise.
2: And we're back on Free Rider Friday here for August 2017. I misidentified a book earlier. I was talking about The, the, the Third Wave and Power Shift by... Uh, Alvin Toffler, the book that I was referring to is actually the "Creating a New Civilization: uh, The Politics of the Third Wave." And by the way, forward by your friend Newt Gingrich, Ron, in that
1: book. Oh, ah, okay. Yep. Oh, he's yeah. a big Toffler fan.
2: Yeah, well, he's a big yeah. Toffler fan. Yeah, yep, yep, for sure. Uh, we're, so we're talking about we're, you left us talking about LSD and and microdosing these micrograms of this. So now yes. here's the question, Ron: It's not illegal. Would you give it a shot? No. See, I think I would. Would do. <laughs> yeah. I and I the, this guy I have to be true to this is it's is very, very uh, look, I I I have often said this. I take a performance enhancing drug every day. It's called caffeine. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. <ya. laughs> right? Yep. Um and then sometimes I want to go to sleep at night. It's called alcohol. <laughs> but, <Yeah. laughs> but not every night, but sometimes. So, I I think this microdosing thing, I think I might give it a shot.
1: Well, look, there must be something to it. I mean, you know, this is a highly competitive environment these people work in, and if they think it gives them an edge. Um, you know, it's hard to dispute.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not. Again, I, I, I think the the there's more research that would need to be done before I would feel completely secure in that. I would want to, I, I would, I would want a little bit longer term on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but I gotta say that the the stuff. That, that, that I've read. I, I think I might.
1: There does yeah. seem to be a paucity of uh, research on this, on the microdosing. You know, um, the scientists just haven't, uh, you know, I guess, done a lot with it. So they don't really know. But it doesn't seem like it'd be any more harmful than some of the other things we do.
2: Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It, you know. It's got to be way better than smoking,
4: <laughs> for yeah. sure. Yeah.
2: Right. <laughs> Anyway, well, I want to do a quick one here. I have got a lot, a lot on language here, Ron. In fact, I've got a third one if we get, if we have time for it on this. But you and I, are big fans of Econ Talk with Russ Roberts. His yes. episode this this previous week is uh, an interview with John McWhorter, who yeah, who I who, love. Yeah, wrote wrote the book Words on the Move. Now, now, now on my Amazon uh, Kindle mm-hmm. right now.
1: Your anti-library, yep.
2: <laughs> my anti-library it's already been added, yep. and I have to say that this guy has convinced me that I have, for far too long, been in the get off my lawn camp of language, of English language. I'm a curmudgeon. I'm he, a ling- he really linguistic has curmudgeon.
1: <laughs> yeah, he really ha- he, I loved his analogy. I thought it was beautiful metaphor that language is like the clouds. Mm-hmm. It's constantly moving. Get over it.
2: Yep. Yep. And you've got to let the free market win on it. Yep. What? What? And the moment I, I the moment that I was convinced was their conversation about. I think he calls them back stressors, or
1: or yes, uh, I forget the term, but yes, yeah, something like that.
2: Yep. Right. Where and for example, we say, "Is it paper towels or paper towels?" And because it's definitely paper clips. Right, it's mm-hmm. not paper clips. We never say we never say paper clips. We say paper clips. Right, so the right. emphasis on the second the second word, yep. right. And I I think that when 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 he was saying that he said he he his I guess his chill kids were upset because they, he thinks they were different, right? Because he said there was it was paper clips and then paper towels, and then I was like I'm yelling at the podcast as I'm listening to it, saying I say paper towel,
1: <laughs> right, right, right?
2: So <laughs> I'm, so I'm on the, I am I am I I felt good to be on the the uh, the, the side of advancing li- the evolution of the language right I'm on the positive side of evolution here I'm driving sure. it forward right and then it got me to thinking what about the word timesheet I hear you and well first of all you and I we always when when both of us write it we slam them together yes we do right even though that is will not make it through your editor Right? It's going to be time space sheet on your editor. There is no I think a acceptable word
1: timesheet no there isn't and and when you look at other articles that do that is, you know use timesheet, it's always two words mm-hmm. but it was my editor at at CCH who combined them who told me that this is so common now that that we need to just make it one word it's one word mm-hmm. And this was years ago
2: yep. Well, I, I think I, I think I wrote a blog post on this on on Verisage a long time. That we, the reason why we should we should do it is for efficiency.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, love I mean, it. it's, it's a seventeen percent decrease in typing, right? Because so,
1: you can eliminate the space. <laughs> I love it. That we yes, we we need to resurrect that blog post. <laughs> <laughs> so, but we don't say
2: time sheet. We say time sheet. So there, it, it or the, this has already it has already passed into the, the, according to McWhorter, this, it is officially a new word. It is. So.
1: I, I, you know, and I, ever since I can remember, I said it as one word, you know, as far back as when I was doing them as, you know, in high school. Um, mm-hmm. It was the timesheets. You know, that's what that's what it was. Yep. So, that's awesome. Yeah, I know. That was a really good episode. We will link to that. That, that was just a, a great discussion between those two. Um, all right, Ed, I got one It's a little bit long, but it's incredibly fascinating. You know, we always talk about demography, demographics being destiny, or at least part destiny, right? You can't predict everything based on demographics, but it can tell you a lot. And The Economist has a great special report in their July 8th issue called The New Old. And what they're saying is, we first off, we need a new name for the 65 plus crowd, because they're they're not really yet elderly. You know, mm-hmm. they're still they could still be in the workforce. They're still very active, you know, they're very healthy, obviously. By twenty one hundred, by the way, the sixty-five and older group ratio to the working age population will triple. In nineteen fifty, five percent of the world's pop was over sixty five. Today it's eight percent. By two thousand fifty it's projected to be sixteen percent. Wow. Now, these are these are pretty, you know, solid demographics, because, you know, we know the cohorts already, unless right. the death rate changes, you know, for some reason. Um, the share of the 65 and older crowd in the OECD countries uh, are 16% today, 25% in 2050. Today in the rich world, 90% of people will celebrate their 65th birthday. That's a, that's amazing. If you That think, is amazing. It's just, a, it's just about that. The UN estimates that between two thousand and ten and two thousand and fifty, the eighty-five and older group will be will grow twice as fast as the sixty-five and older, and sixteen times every other group. They're calling it a silver time bomb or a gray tsunami. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know the uh, the doomsayers are predicting economic stagnation. Oh, right. Yes, we, let's trot that out
2: now. Yeah. Right here, here yeah. it comes. Yeah. Hold on. Come on.
1: <laughs> and and of course, we don't really have good economic models for when a population decreases. I mean, that that's another topic. This this report's not talking about a population decline. It's talking about the aging. But what they do, what the report argues, is the opposite of the doomsday scenario. This, this can be a tremendous boon uh, if we turn them into more active participants in the in the economy. The financial industry needs to update their life cycle models. But they talk about the gig economy, you know, the gig economy, the sharing economy, whatever you want to call it. One-fourth of Uber drivers are over 50. One-fourth of those who work in the sharing economy are over 55, according to PWC. Um There's a a website, it's it's called WAV, uh, which is Work at Home Vintage Experts. So you can get an accountant, an attorney, you know, uh, who just kind of moonlights. Obviously, uh, Airbnb, this was fascinating. The 60 plus crowd um, is the fastest growing segment on Airbnb. They also have the highest ratings. Um, Obviously, this group does a lot of unpaid work, 3.3 billion hours last year. They're older and they're slower, but they make fewer mistakes. Uh, they're also 65 percent more likely to start up new companies than the age group of 20 to 34, according to the Kauffman Foundation. Wow, and they do they do good work. That surprised me. Um, the 50 plus year olds will have 70 percent of the disposal disposable income in America. Um, you know, spending 15 trillion dollars by the year 2020. Uh, much of it on leisure. So anyway, they also talk about you know the silver splits, people uh, divorce rates among the 60 plus year old. Uh, they're divorcing twice the rate they were in 1990, and in Britain it's three times. 25% of the users on Match.com are between 53 and 72, and they're the fastest growing segment. Um, you know they talk about long-term care. This is where demographics gets really interesting. You can see some trends. There's 47 million people worldwide with dementia be 132 million by 2050 unless we come up with some medical breakthrough right mm-hmm. for alzheimer's and you know so they're talking about smart home sensors so the kids can watch the parents right you can have sensors all around your mom's house or whatever to make sure she doesn't fall or or, or any of that uh but the interesting thing Ed about this was and i didn't know this do you n- remember when the word teenagers came into play
2: I would say like the nineteen
1: like fifties? The forties. Forties, late forties. Okay. Forties. Yeah. A good guess. And, you know, it, they it, they coined it because they recognized a big market. I don't know if it was an advertising agency that came up with it, but that yeah. you know, it wouldn't surprise me. But now they're trying to figure out, okay, what do we call this this new group? <laughs> we need a name for this, you know, like teenagers. So here's some proposed ones in our last minute before our break. The Jerry Actives <laughs> The the pre tired, the sunsetters, okay, sunsetters, the, sun the nightcappers.
3: I like the, that
2: one. I'm in favor okay. of the nightcap.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, nippies, which is not yet past it. This has okay. got to be one of my favorite. Well, no, not this one, but this one's good. Owls, O W L S, owls, older, okay. working less, still earning. Okay. <laughs> this is my favorite. Hopskies. Hopskies. H- Healthy old people spending their kids' inheritance. <laughs> 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 we have a winner. Ding, 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 ding. And, and, and there's indie, and there's a funny story about this. This is indie. I'm Not Dead Yet. <laughs> and I remember going to spam a lot, Monty Python play in New York and Broadway. Right. And, you know, that's one of the bits is the I'm Not Dead Yet song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I bought the T-shirt. And I gave it to O'Byrne, and of course, this was after his fatal diagnosis, and I thought, mm-hmm. oh, this is edgy. He could get really, you know, is he going to get pissed? He <laughs> loved it. He wore it all the time. He shot videos with it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it was really interesting because they said, you know, life stages are social constructs that yeah. trigger deep changes in attitudes. And, you know, if you think about it, they're right, and mm-hmm. we probably do need a new name for this. So, anyway, I just thought that was really fascinating, Another one of those language things that that just, you know... <laughs> It gets, in, gets in, uh, tied up with demographics. But, folks, we need to uh, take our last break here. And we'd like to remind you, you can email Ed or myself at AskTSOE at varisagecom And now we want to hear from our sponsor, Sage.
3: S O E.
0: Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network.
4: We're tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now back to The Soul of Enterprise.
2: Free Rider Friday for August 2017 here on The Soul of Enterprise. And Ron, I was reminded as you were talking a couple things. One, Stephen Wright's great line, which is, you know, uh, I plan to live forever. So far, so good. So good. Which, which, I like that one. Uh, and and here's the here's the bottom line. Whatever they're called, yippie hippie, whatever I, yep. owls, well, owls. I don't care. Yep. I just want to be a part of it. That's like, yep. I, I just whatever they call. I will welcomely accept that label. I'm not a big label person, but count me in. Count me in for that. Yep.
1: You, you know, I'm I'm kind of less offended by this than the, the whole millennial and Gen X and Y because, you know, it's, it's a time period in life. Mm. It's not labeling a generation like teenagers, right? It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's or, a time. It, I, I it, get it. it. Yeah, no, that yeah, makes sense. So, so it, it doesn't offend me as much because they're not, you know, doing what the uh, other labels do. But, um, yeah, great. and I love Stephen Wright. He's like one of my – he says, I think it's so unfair that Monopoly is only made by one company. <laughs> brilliant (laughs) (laughs) it is brilliant but ed there was a a, another side article on this one which talked about rock stars now we've all made jokes and heard jokes about you know the stones out there on tour and they're uh, have got their walkers out and what is it now mick is 80 some i don't even know he's way up there right they all are but you know this is partly the digital revolution's fault because you know in the old days these people could just sit in their Know, castles and rely on royalties, but now they got to get their butts out there and perform live because <laughs> yeah. there's no more monetization of, right. of royalties. And Lloyd's of London has noticed an uptick in the demand for non appearance products. So, this is an actuary who says, Yeah, you know, this is a great thing because Disney had it on Carrie Fisher. She mm-hmm. died last year at the age of 60, I guess, before she completed the Star Wars movie, yep. um, which, you know, was a $50 million claim on the insurance company who wrote the policy. Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones, who's 73, by the way, his hands are insured for $1.6 And here's what the actuary said about this. He said, we're ready to accept our clients' lifestyle and work ha- hazards. <laughs> right? <laughs> no. But he says, arguing that where there's risk, there is reward if the price is right. Um, So they do obviously have exclusions for pre-existing conditions like alcohol abuse and failing livers and things like that. Mm -hmm. But for other things, they they will definitely insure. It's just a great example of when actuaries see risk, they run towards it and try to figure out how to monetize it and turn it into a product. And when professionals or other business people see risk, they tend to run away from it
2: what's the thing no, no such thing as a bad risk just
1: a bad premium yep and that's exactly what this guy said if the price is right so yep. I just love that just thought that was great Green and you stuff. know it reminds me of the line when uh, Phyllis Diller I heard her do a comedy routine and she said she was talking about Marlena Dietrich her legs were insured and it's a true story by Lloyd's of London and Phyllis you know kind of pointed to her body and said this all state <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh good Good, good, good. All right, so I got another language one, one here, Ron. Do you spend any time in Mexico? I have been
1: there a couple times. Yes. A couple
2: times, you know. Yeah. you don't speak Spanish though? Do you? No. Okay. So the, apparently, there's a phrase, uh, "ahorita," oh, okay. which literally translates as uh, as right now, or it, I think it's in this hour, actually. Mm. Right, mm. ahorita. Okay. Yep. Right, and this this guy tells us. Oh, I'm sorry, this uh, the reporter here, Susanna Rigg, I said not guy, gal. She uh, tells us a story about being in in uh, in Mexico and asking about ice cream, an ice cream vendor, and that you know they, they were they were out of chocolate, and he said to her, "Ahorita," right, and she's like, "Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll just hang out then for it," right. And so it's like a half hour goes by. There's nothing. And again, he told me again, this time dragging out the eye, he says, "Ahorita," <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. So she did some research. Says it turns out that this is one of those words that directly translated means, right, at this hour, right, or right now. But when a Mexican says it, it could mean in an, an hour, tomorrow, five years, <laughs> never. Like,
1: it's, <laughs> So it's not like soon or sooner. Nope.
2: No, <laughs> it, 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 and there's even degrees of it. Uh, there's ahorita lego, which means I am right, which literally means I am r- arriving right now, but in fact means I will be there in an indeterminate amount of time. <laughs> right? Uh, ahorita regreso, which translates as I will be right back, translates to I will be back at some point, but who knows exactly when. <laughs> oh, wow. Right? And this is interesting. Ahorita is even used as a polite way of saying no, thank you, when refusing an offer. Hmm. Right. Uh, so, r- just a really fascinating thing. I just it just caught my eye w- w- because the, the title of this piece, which is, was on the BBC, is called "The Confusing Way Mexicans Tell Time." So, whenever I see some story about time, I usually kind of latch on to it and try to, to to get some get some insights into it. But I I, I just found that that fascinating
1: you know I, I i remember reading a book and i forget the title the geography of time or something but it was written by an academic who studies this and it was all about how different cultures different countries have a different you know rhythm and cadence with respect to time and and the language that they use to describe time uh it's it's absolutely fascinating mm-hmm. how different it is in different countries
2: yeah and we've we've talked about this you know it's like in, in just all of the expressions that we use you know, we're against this whole time is money thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and But you invest time, you spend time, you, know, you 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 somehow make time, which I always thought was a fascinating expression. Yeah.
1: You know? yeah, I think it was Oscar Wilde who said time is a waste of money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, good stuff. All right, Ron, we got two minutes left, so I'll see if you can sneak one more in on us.
1: Ah, uh, boy, I can Ed. So let me let me uh, just reiterate, folks. We're we're doing the uh, Verisage Symposium, and Ed, that's leading off on the tenth with a live Soul of Enterprise uh, broadcast, isn't it? Or or recorded live?
2: No, I, well, th- that's yet to be determined. But we're okay. we're thinking we're going to try to make this with the folks, the, the the help of the folks at Voice America, an actual live show, possibly at. On an on an on site visit uh, at a at a at a Texas high school football game. So this is, is going to be really
1: some good stuff wow. here. Wow. Wow. So how can people find out more about that agenda and where to register?
2: The soul of enterprise dot com slash varusage. Slash right. Verisage. V-E-R-A-S-H-E. Yep, V E R A S A G E, the Soul of Enterprise dot com slash Verisage. And of course, the sh- it's it's posted in our show notes for the last couple of weeks. So just, just uh, go out to the Soul of Enterprise, you'll find it pretty easy excellent
1: excellent well i'm really looking forward to that i know we have quite a quite a list of folks coming and a good chunk of our fellows are going to be there so i'm really excited by that folks it's really hard to get this worldwide group together and in, in one place at one time yep. and uh you know it looks like we got about know, 50 or 60 percent of them so i'm pretty happy about that but ed what's on store for next week
2: memorable mentors ron back up with our memorable mentors this time henry hazlitt Henry Hazlitt.
1: Uh, yes, from the uh, the F.E.E. Uh, mm-hmm. book series that they're doing, and folks, you can get those books. And maybe in the pre-summary, we'll post the link where you can download it. Uh, of course, Henry Hazlitt is the guy who wrote Economics in One Lesson, which is a classic book uh, that I recommend to everybody. It's just it's just fantastic. I, I I liked his writing style, Ed. Pretty pretty simple and very very succinct, and you know very cogent.
2: Great. All right. Well, I'll see you in 167 hours.
1: This has been the Soul of Enterprise, Business, and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE. Energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. Join us next week, folks, Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, check out our show notes at the soul of And remember, you can contact Ed or me at asktsoe at Thanks for listening, folks. Have a great weekend.